Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is the place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. So Sadie Goldstein had just moved into her big new apartment. She wanted the world to know. And the first person she called to visit was her old friend, Esther. Mazel tov, said Esther. I'd love to come for tea. Where do you live? I live, Sadie said, in a beautiful building, 993 Park Avenue. It has a gorgeous front door. So when you arrive, give it a good pish with your right elbow and walk in and use your left elbow to close the door behind you. And once you're inside, you'll see the list of the names with the buzzer. So take your left elbow and you can ring my apartment so I can buzz you in and use your right elbow to press down on the handle to get into the lobby. Walk to the elevator, use your right elbow to press the up arrow. Once you're in the elevator, use your left arrow to to get to the top floor. Walk down the hallway to my apartment, ring the doorbell with your right elbow, but feel free just to push the door open with your left elbow. You'll come in, I'll show you around, we'll have tea, I can't wait. Sadie, I can't wait either, Esther replied, but if you don't mind me asking, what what kind of directions are these? All these business with the right elbow and the left elbow, what's with with all the elbows? Well, said Sadie, you're not thinking of coming empty-handed, are you? This morning, I want to talk to you about being a guest. As Jews, we have no shortage of sources and stories about the importance of hachnasat orchim, the mitzvah, the commandment, to welcome the guest. From the very beginnings of our people, when Abraham and Sarah sat at the tent opening, welcoming every passerby, hospitality ranks high up in the pantheon of Jewish values. Literally, we should always be prepared to set a place for a guest. But hospitality is a spiritual calling as well. You shall know the heart of the stranger, for you were once a stranger in a strange land, teaches Exodus. As Jews, to be hospitable is a religious posture to which we aspire, be it refugees or at the borders, or the way in which we relate to anyone seeking entry, to be inclusive to have empathy, to always make room for the humanity of another person. But that's not the kind of hospitality I want to discuss today. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be a guest. As Emily Post, my mother, and Sadie Goldstein know, to be a guest involves following certain rules, an identity that calls on us to act in a certain way. When you arrive, or before you arrive, you don't do so empty-handed. You bring a gift, a treat, a bottle of wine, flowers for your host. And then, of course, after you leave, you send a thank you note, ideally handwritten, but at least an email expressing gratitude for your host's hospitality. 
When you are a guest, you offer to pitch in to clear the dishes. If you're there for more than a day or two, you help to offer to pay for the groceries. When you're a guest, you make sure to clean up after yourself, leaving things in as good, if not better shape than you found them. A good guest doesn't overstay their welcome. As Benjamin Franklin wrote, guests like fish begin to smell after three days. There are all sorts of rules that go with being a good guest. The list is actually an evolving one, but at its core, the thread that ties it all together is to always remember that you are a guest. You are the visitor. You are only there for a short while, present by way of someone else's good graces. Soon enough, you'll be gone, but your host will be there. And so act with care and respect for your surroundings. To be a guest means to comport oneself with an attitude of gratitude and humility. Most of all, when you're a guest, you're deferential to the customs and behaviors of your host. You might act in a certain way in your own home, put your feet up on the table, leave the dishes in the sink, or dance around the kitchen in the refrigerator light. But when you are a guest, you act according to the custom of your host. Why? Because it's their place, not yours. You, my friend, are the guest. In Hebrew, the mitzvah of hosting, as noted as hachnasat orchim, roughly translated as welcoming guests. Best as I can tell, there's no equivalent term for the mitzvah of being a guest. The closest principle we do have that I could find is the rabbinic principle called minhag hamakom, meaning minhag, custom, and makom for the moment, meaning place. The basic gist is that when one visits a place with customs, minhagim, different than one's own, one follows the custom of that place, not one's own. The minhag, for instance, in the Cosgrove home is to say kiddush, the blessing over wine, standing up. But when I'm in someone else's home where they sit, I sit, happily so. My personal practice is to pray according to the Ashkenazi tradition. When I visit a Sephardic synagogue, I pray according to their tradition. There are a million examples, how one prays, how one observes a ritual, how one dresses even. Sometimes a stringency, sometimes a leniency, but the principle is one and the same. A visitor does not deviate from local custom. Our Torah reading states it clearly enough in reference to the Passover ritual. When a stranger resides with you, there's one law for you, stranger and citizen alike. Why? The tradition offers a few reasons. Because to do so would split a community. Because to do so, to presume that the community I am visiting should follow my custom on my visit, is to commit the sin of yuhara, spiritual arrogance. The primary reason for doing so is the most obvious one. You're a guest, so act like one. You know, it never occurred to me that minhag hamakom, the ethics of guesthood, if you will, was a sermon-worthy topic, a subject in need of defense. I figured everyone just sort of got it. But then, a few weeks ago, there was a visitor, a guest here in the synagogue, whose name I do not know and never need to, who was visiting from out of town. As many people who are here for the first time do, they took out their cell phone and started filming something here in the synagogue. 
A synagogue regular politely tapped him on the shoulder and explained that the custom, the minhag here, is that we keep cell phones off and out of sight during the service. Now, my kids were in town that weekend, and unbeknownst to this guest, I was sitting in the pews a few seats over from him with my kids. The visitor refused, pointing to the screens and the cameras and the lights, saying how ironic it was that they were in use, but he shouldn't be able to use his phone. And the regular, um, the regular that day responded politely and kindly, more kindly than I would have, that ironic or not, it was a matter of decorum in this house of prayer. Thankfully, the visitor did put his phone away, but only after he got in a final dig as to how hypocritical he thought our policy was. It was a fascinating exchange to overhear, not so much for the merits of the discussion about which reasonable people might agree or disagree. What made it fascinating and troubling was what the exchange revealed about the visitor. He would be here maybe for two hours, passing through on his own choice. No one was forcing him to do so. Idiosyncratic as they may be, we do have customs here at Park Avenue, be it cell phone usage, different expectations when it comes to wearing head coverings and prayer shawls as people enter the sanctuary, sit on the bima, take an honor at the Torah, they're principles for which our community stands for that reflect our egalitarian spirit that define us as this community and not a different one. I know that we need to do a better job communicating our customs, but that person that day, they acted with yuhara. They like they own the place. They had forgotten what it means to be a guest. And I fear that the behavior the person displayed that day isn't isolated to him alone. And my concern is not just this sanctuary. My fear in a sentence is that far too often, far too many people in our world have forgotten what it means to act like a guest, that people live their lives thinking that they own the place. The story is told about an American tourist who traveled a great distance at a great expense to pay a visit to the greatest rabbi of the 19th century, a man named the Chafetz Chaim. The man finally arrived and reached the rabbi's home and knocked on the door and was astonished to discover that the famous rabbi's home was a simple home, a room filled with just books, a table, and a bench. Rabbi, the man asked, where's all your furniture? Where is yours, replied the rabbi. Mine, asked the puzzled tourist. I'm just a visitor here. I'm only passing through. So am I, said the Chafetz Chaim. We are all, each one of us, and all of us together, just passing through. Guess in this world, we know this to be the case, but we sure don't act like it. Not that we needed it, but as we all put on our K95 masks again this past week in our city, we received a very pointed reminder of the ecological precipice upon which we are standing, if not falling off. A world where warring countries blow up dams, perpetrating unspeakable ecological harm for military advantage. The rabbis of the Midrash teach that when God created the first man, God took him and showed him all the trees in the Garden of Eden and said to him, see my creations, how beautiful and how exemplary they are. Everything I created, I created for you 
and make certain that you do not ruin and destroy my world. For if you destroy it, there will be no one to mend it after you. This world of ours is neither ours nor is it replaceable. We're stewards, guests passing through, who hopefully will live by the habits that will make this world habitable by our children and our grandchildren. The school year is coming to an end. Summer is in the air. Tonight, I'll be getting on a plane to lead the synagogue's young family trip to Israel. I can feel the year winding down. By so many measures, as a community, personally, it's been a fabulous year. There's so much for which I am thankful, so many reasons I am filled with gratitude and hope. But I do look out at the fractured world in which we live, its ecological crises, its military conflicts, its toxic and vitriolic language. And I do wonder, I wonder what is it that our world needs now? What is that one ingredient which, if we were all to have it, the world's problems might not be solved, but the world at the very least would be resolved to work together to address them. Maybe, just maybe, I want to propose to you that the missing ingredient is a daily, if not hourly, reminder that we are all just guests in this world. How much kinder, more deferential, humble, patient, and spiritually curious we would all be. How were we all to think of ourselves as guests, we would pick up after ourselves, we would inquire into the condition of the other. We would fill our days with excuse me's, pleases, and thank you's, and respect that while we personally may do things a certain way, we hold no expectation that others do so, and so we would embrace the diversity of our world. In our conversations, in our places of work, with friend and stranger alike, we act like guests. We may not change the world, but we can be the change we seek in this world, a goal that I would like to believe is worthy unto itself. A final thought, and not an easy one. Yesterday, as many of you may know, I stood with a synagogue family as a mother and father buried their nine-year-old son, a beautiful child whose light shined brightly and all too briefly taken from us by way of the ravages of cancer. And as the parents prepared to leave the graveside, performing the unspeakable sorrow of burying their child, as tradition teaches, the community present recited the Hebrew words, Hamakom Yenachem Etchem, may God comfort you. In that moment, I was reminded that another word name for God is Makom, as in minhag hamakom, meaning that another way to understand the commandment to follow the custom of the place is to follow the custom of God. And in that moment, I thought to myself that some people in this world live into their 90s and others only to nine. But all of us, are just guests in this world, and we should all aspire 
to follow minhag hamakom, the custom of God, that in our fleeting lives of indefinite length, we should aspire to follow the attributes of God, filling each day with love, forgiveness, beauty, joy, generosity, purpose, and holiness. Friends, we are guests, here but for a hot flash. So let's act as such and live in this place and leave this place in better shape than we found it. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah, Hallelujah.